0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, thanks for joining me again on Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. You must be thirsty for more because this is episode, gosh, we're almost at episode 30 now. I just got back from an awesome trip in Vermont, and a week and a half before that, I was in North Carolina chasing ghosts at an abandoned, uh, or not necessarily abandoned, but the old burying ground of Beaufort, North Carolina. It's over 300 years old. The town of Beaufort was settled by pirates and privateers and early settlers with the colonial days, and it was once inhabited by Blackbeard the Pirate. In fact, Queen Anne's Revenge, one of his most notorious ships, sits at the bottom uh, outside of the inlet area, uh, facing north away from the the village, was originally started as a fishing village. It was a great hideaway for notorious pirates and bandits and privateers. Well, privateers doing the work of the Queen unless they got a little greedy. Then they became pirates. Anyway, had a great time. It's a getaway spot that we always stop every year. We have a summer home down there. And spoke with some bookstores down there as well as my trip to Vermont that I just returned from today. Spoke with a few bookstores up there. There's generating interest in my books. I, I like to uh, stop at Ma and pop shops and rub elbows with those people and let them know I'm interested in uh, building rapport. It's something I do. It's a fun hobby. So, once again, welcome to Paranormally Speaking. It's a new episode. Uh, today I'll be discussing Bigfoot, Champ, and Lake Champlain as well, which is the Loch Ness Monster's cousin. Here in the United States Also various other strange and yet undiscovered cryptozoological creatures Or things that were thought to have long been dead Hang tight, thank you And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. What an amazing week I had in Vermont. Just returned to Ohio today. Uh, While I was in Vermont, I visited Lake Champlain in Burlington. Went to several shops looking for any merchandise pertaining to Bigfoot in Vermont or Champ in Lake Champlain. Champ, that being uh, Nessie's cousin in the States. And found several decals, but no t-shirts, unfortunately. I went to a museum in Burlington. By the time we got there, they were already closed. Turns out they are the ones that carry most of the Champ merchandise in the Stowe slash Montpelier slash Burlington area. So, I went to Amazon, and just like every other bloke in America right now, I spent my money with a third party to get a shirt showing Champ at Lake Champlain. Didn't get it from Burlington, but still, it's a thought that counts, considering I did spend a lot of time there. Talked to a few people about Champ and... Bigfoot sightings in Vermont And uh, heard a lot of Interesting stories That people had relayed to me From what their grandparents Had told them or friends that had seen Bigfoot or A yeti type creature in the Mountain region when it's snowing Heavily Uh, A lot of fun doing that Now a lot of people Have asked me through the years How on earth I can believe In Bigfoot and they're taken aback when I tell them that I'm seriously invested in the possibility of Bigfoot existing, that I completely believe in it. Uh, Same with uh, water monsters, all creatures of cryptozoological backgrounds, Mothman, things of that nature. And when you look at the earth, it's over 70% water. We know more about our galaxy that surrounds us than we do about our own planet. And every day researchers and scientists and people who just happen to be at the right place at the right time are discovering new species. A new type of butterfly. A new type of larva. A new type of monkey. A new type of strange hybrid bear. Maybe some kind of of a mountain lion or a type of bobcat that was thought to be extinct but is very much alive. That is what keeps me believing in those things. When we live on a planet that we only know about 5% of our own ocean, and it still goes deeper and deeper and we can't reach it, and a lot of the wilderness within the United States alone, not just jungle regions outside of the U.S. and in third world countries and desert regions that are untouched by man, or man may have never set foot on, and we've become so arrogant in the 21st century that we think we have it all figured out. But then you look at those possibilities, you look at that reality, the fact that a majority of our own wilderness in the United States has not been thoroughly explored. There's plenty of room for a creature type, uh, such as Bigfoot, to, to hide, to play hide and seek, to find a new location, to constantly move or to completely blend in directly under our nose without us even noticing. Uh, Could be a creature with the ability to move in and out of space and time or in and out of a bridge to reality where a multiverse exists and they live in an alternate reality and they can step in and out of certain windows that only they know where they're located and they pop into our reality for just a glimpse, for just a short moment. And then, boom, they're back into their world. The possibilities are endless. And that is what keeps me believing in Champ at Lake Champlain or Bigfoot in the United States, Yeti throughout the world, the Skunk Ape in Florida, Grassman in Ohio, the Mothman. Those things are entirely possible. Shows like Scooby Doo taught us a lot that. The real monsters are people, essentially. And creatures like what I talk about on my podcast, even spirits, ghosts, aliens, UFOs that house aliens, those things are entirely possible, and they're happening now, and they've happened for centuries. And it's almost as if we've reached a new age of enlightenment within the 21st century itself because people are discussing these things openly. Freely, without prejudice. Uh, hell, there's TV shows about it, radio shows, documentaries, podcasts, such as my my own podcast. People speaking openly and freely about these things. It's a great time to be alive. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Are the giants really among us? Did they ever leave? Where did they go? The Nephilim Chronicles, Fallen Angels in the Ohio Valley. Giant humans called the Nephilim once roamed the earth. The Nephilim Chronicles, Fallen Angels in the Ohio Valley documents the migration of the counted giants in the Bible, known as the Amorites, to North America. This blog, the Nephilim Chronicles, is dedicated to the historic documents that shows this mysterious chapter in the Bible, and actually that it's true. Fifty giant tombs were just recently discovered on the banks of the Ohio River and believed to be the King's Graveyard, as it was called. Corn Island is located at the southern bend of the Ohio River. It was flooded by the construction of the dam in the 1920s. The other cemetery contains the bones of 50 dead kings or being referred to as kings. The tombs are made of rough hewn stone and the occupants were all men. Not one of was less than six and a half to seven feet high. They were buried in sitting posture and their faces turned toward the rising sun and their weapons must have been buried with them. Evidently, placed on their laps according to reports but the peculiar coincidence is that the left temple of each had been crushed in by some blunt instrument whether it was as religious right or a precaution against burying them alive is a matter of surmise. one would surmise considering the writer who opened one of the graves with professor green the eminent geologist and at one time state geologist of Indiana, believes it was a religious rite. The School of History of Kentucky says, when the first white settlers arrived at Louisville, they found piles of human skeletons on Corn Island, and some are found there now. To the early settlers, it appeared that there had been a great battle fought, and that one tribe had been entirely wiped out. All of the skeletons were those of people of medium stature, save one, that of a man, and he must have been seven feet tall, according to the reports. On the banks of the falls to this day are found to be found thousands of Indian arrows and spearheads, with an occasional battle axe. And once a stone owl was found that had probably been fashioned, by one of the prehistoric people at that time. The description represents the concrete facts and is the corroborative evidence of the weird tale told by Mrs. Kelly and her ancestors and their mystic chant of the vanishing of a strange race of people. The story had better be given in her own words to the writer of this narrative. Valentine Kelly who was a spiritualist, told the writer that he was once standing on a shed near the royal tombs when a gigantic white man with yellow hair peered in at the window. He said he saw him as clear as he could, for it was broad daylight and he could not have made a mistake. However, Mr. Kelly was a firm believer in ghosts and hobgoblins, and it may be that he did not actually see yellow hair, but he believed to be the time of his death he had seen him. He permitted Professor Green and the writer to open two of the graves on his farm, but stopped further evacuating, excavating, sorry, as he said the scientist would soon dig up the best part of his farm if he permitted them to do so. But there were originally 50 of the tombs and now more than 40 remain. The high water washed away some of them, and two were opened by men. One of the best-known archaeologists of Indiana, Dr. W. F. Work, of Charlestown, Indiana, found seven similar stones 13 miles from the scene, and he noticed that the left temple of each dead man was crushed in, and that the bones of those were men of gigantic stature. Dr. Work spent much time in exploring the habitations of the cliff dwellers of Arizona and was written has written much on the subject he believes yellow hair people were the Mandan Indians Orlando Hobbs also an archaeologist authority of Indiana and a man known widely for his learning and research holds this opinion as well Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, india's military claim photos are footprints of the mysterious and mythical yeti the military members found the tracks near a base camp because the tracks have been seen by such a large number of soldiers they then tweeted the image out of to their some six million followers sparking both interest and ridicule the yeti is a creature said to be related to north america's sasquatch also known as bigfoot The footprints of the mythical beast are measuring up to 32 by 15 inches close to the Makalu base camp on the 9th of April 2019. This elusive snowman has only been sighted at Makalu Barone National Park in the past. Samples of items found long ago in the Himalayan mountains have been tested with one item found to be a finger bone of a normal human and some hair turned out to be from an extinct polar bear. I've been a die-hard Bigfoot enthusiast since I was a kid. There were these documentaries that were made in the 1970s, Raymond Burr hosted them. And George C. Scott did a couple as well as Leonard Nimoy. They pertain to Bigfoot sightings, eyewitness accounts, uh, dramatizations, reenactments of these said sightings. Uh, Also, the documentaries they did related to the Bermuda Triangle, UFO sightings, ghostly encounters, the ghosts of Gettysburg. Uh, The list goes on. Uh, I was very young when these came out. Um, it, It drew me in right away. And when I was about eight, I set out on my own hiking-slash-camping adventure looking for Bigfoot in the Gooseneck Mountains of my grandmother's property that was in between Beaver and Piketon, Ohio, on the Back 40 Podunk. Uh, if you're not at all familiar with that, if you've heard of BFE, it's just south of that. It is literally over the river and through the woods and up the hill and down the mountains. It's way off the beaten path. I don't think any cell phone company gets service out there. But when I was a kid, cell phones didn't exist. We just had walkie-talkies, two-way radios, whatnot, CB radios. And I went off for what was going to be an overnight stay. I was going to camp out in the woods and look for Bigfoot. Lo and behold, it took me a few hours before I got bored and came home because instead of finding Bigfoot, I, in fact, discovered um, a deer carcass a beehive where I almost got stung by bees, and a cave where something was snarling and growling from the inside. Um, Chances are it was either a bear or a bobcat. But when I heard that, I decided to head back home. It was around 5 p.m. on a Saturday when I returned to my grandma's house, empty-handed but not losing the faith and finding Bigfoot one day. And in fact, a promise I made to myself as well as Those who know me, if I were to ever find Bigfoot, and we locked eyes, and we communicated in one way, shape, or form, um, it it would be an honor to set my eyes upon such a magnificent creature, whether it be a, a humanoid, or whatever his species would be, or its species would be considered, uh... In reference to Bigfoot, I don't want to refer to the female Bigfoot as he. I would never tell anyone where I discovered it, where I found Bigfoot. I I would be afraid that these gun nut hunters would run into the woods, firing at anything that moves and disrupting the habitat of the Sasquatch that I found. And that would just break my heart because they are literally an endangered species. In fact... The government has already acknowledged that these things exist. Since the 1960s, they have put in the... Certain states have put in their state's register, as well as their almanacs, uh, certain species that you will encounter, certain types of animals you will encounter, uh, while camping in the wilderness, while hiking the woods, while going and exploring the mountains, rock climbing, rappelling, what have you. They always... Especially in the Pacific Northwest, always have Bigfoot mentioned in their state almanacs or in their state registers of animals that you will encounter, creatures you will encounter. In fact, um, the state of Washington has Sasquatch as one of their on the endangered species list as well as one of their natural um, living creatures that reside within the area. I know Tennessee also has something pertaining to that, and the list goes on with weird things the government has already acknowledged. For example, uh, UFO sightings, aliens, uh, fire marshal handbooks or fire department handbooks uh, in regards to like natural disasters or some sort of pandemic in relationship to alien encounters or a crashed UFO or first contact. There's actually steps that they are required to follow and train for if they do, in fact, encounter this type of phenomenon. So we've been preparing for it for a long time. It's just not really public knowledge. And it makes sense if you go all the way back to War of the Worlds when it was done in the format of a radio broadcast and everything was done with voice and sound effects before television existed, really. And this was all done on the radio. People heard this recording and thought for certain that we were under an invasion at that point in time. And there were people literally, actually people committing suicide as a result of the fear that they felt from the possibility that their loved ones were going to die due to this alien invasion that was unfolding in this radio broadcast and this dramatization. And so many people, by the hundreds, maybe by the thousands, thought this was a legit event that was happening. It was unfolding. And these secrets that are kept from us, from the upper echelon, by the upper echelon from us, it, it makes sense if you think about it because the general population, as a whole, a majority of people, are not prepared to handle such a change to our culture, to our society, to our civilization as an invasion or an arrival for that matter. The people of the world are not prepared to handle it. And especially within the United States, we are full of gun nuts in this country. Now, owning a gun is one thing. I'm cool with guns. I know how to handle them. I know how to dismantle them, reassemble them, clean them, name it. I can fire them. I can shoot them well, but when dudes are going out at gun shows and acquiring AR-15s and AK-47s without so much as a background check, they themselves could also have some sort of a blemish in their background for domestic violence or for assault charges or for some sort of mental illness. And they're able to acquire firearms with such a weapon of mass destruction. These killing machines they can acquire by the truckloads without a proper background check, without the waiting period that should be required when purchasing such a weapon. And there was a time when the government outlawed semi-automatic weapons. In fact, it was the Republicans who called for the banning of semi-automatic weapons. But now we have this new superpower that's running the boat and steering it directly into the rocks. And they're like, oh no, bump stocks are cool. That just turns your semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic weapon. Why not? Because the NRA is lacing their pockets and funneling so much money into the GOP that they're bought and paid for by them. So of course they're gonna kowtow to that. The NRA in that aspect They're acting like a bunch of thugs, like the Teamsters, when they were bullying people into unions and doing dirty deeds behind closed doors to manipulate the money that was being paid into said unions. Uh, There's got to be a ceiling here where eventually they bump their heads and it's like, okay, this is where it stops. Have we not reached that point yet? An invasion or an arrival from some alien species would cause these lunatics that are acquiring these uh, killing machines, these weapons of mass destruction to essentially start an interstellar war because they would run out to the yards of their homes or their buddies' houses, get lit up on moonshine and start firing at whatever they saw in the sky. And their weapons are far more advanced than ours. So all it would do is just piss them off and then it would cause us to become completely vaporized. It's just a key point to think about. We're really, as a civilization, not prepared for the truth, not equipped to handle it. It would change everything about what we know and what modern science has taught us and what known science can comprehend. Well, that's all for today I hope you had a good time listening I hope I didn't bore you, upset you, terrify you cause you to hate me cause you to not want to listen next week cause you to withdraw from society I hope that I just offered entertainment, enlightenment and a good time and killed about 25 minutes of your day I'll do better next time have a great weekend I'll keep you posted on what's going on in my life and perhaps next week I'll do another reading from one of my books and I, I think I'll do it from what's been hailed as my scariest book to date, which is what was released in 2018, my fifth book, Haunted Enough, Terrifying Tales to Tell Your Friends. So I'll go by that. I'll choose one of those more scary adult stories and make sure that uh, you keep your lights on when you listen to it. Have a good night and keep watching the skies and watch what's moving in the woods. Thank you.